0: We're going to continue in uh, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, so good morning, church, and welcome, neighbors. And uh, when Pastor Michael asked me, like, a while ago about, you know, filling in and, and preaching, I was like, yeah, I love, I love preaching. This is awesome. And I uh, knew that we're in this series and Sermon on the Mount, and, you know, what if Jesus was serious? And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's Let's check out the passage. Let's see where we're going. And Jesus is covering some hard-hitting stuff. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, right? We've, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about, about lust, about divorce. Next week we're going to be talking about retaliation. Loving your enemies is coming up. And all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. What, what am I preaching on? And it was oaths. And I was like, okay. Um, awesome. Oaths. Uh, and I don't, I don't know about you guys, but when I think of oaths, I think of like this. I think of like some kind of like bad medieval melodrama where like the king has been slain and the knight is making an oath to avenge him and he's going to go off on a quest, right? Like that's what happens when I hear the word oath in my head, but that's not what we're going to be talking about this morning. When I really started unpacking the passage and I had to deal with a lot of my own immaturity of thinking about oaths, And uh, God did some work. And there's some stuff in here that's really impactful. So we're going to spend the next 20 minutes or so covering verses 33 through 37, where Jesus explains the idea of trust and the idea of honesty and why that's so important. So before we get started, uh, we're going to begin as we do each week by uh, going through the disciples' prayer together. We invite you to pray that out loud if you'd like, or you can just close your eyes as well. So let's begin by reading through these verses, verse 33 through 37. Jesus says, Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord that which you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your hand, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So let's let's make sure that we set some context here before we get into the specifics of the passage. Remember that Jesus is going through, he's preaching to a group of people, and he's going through some ideas that they have about the law, okay? So they're thinking, okay, this is what the law says, I'm going to follow the law, I want to do the right thing, but this is what it's, so I'm going to do these things. And Jesus covers back in lust, right, that whole idea of like, oh, well, you think just because you didn't physically cheat on your wife that you've not committed adultery, it's actually a heart issue. It's actually like the the sin in your heart of lusting after someone else, right? And then we looked at divorce and how that was also like issue of the heart. Just because you didn't commit the physical didn't mean that you didn't sin, that it, that it it was more than that. And they missed the entire point of the law. And Jesus is unpacking this for them. And that's kind of a controversial message, right? To hear that you're getting it wrong. I don't know about you guys, but I love to hear, you know, Positive feedback, right? Like, I I work work in a retail environment. I coach people for a living. And how many times I hear the phrase, I love constructive feedback. Well, yeah, all feedback should be constructive because it's going to help you get better. It's only negative feedback when the goal of it is to not guide you in the right direction. But Jesus is pointing them back to the point of the matter, their heart. And how without him and without that sacrifice that he's about to offer, they can't have a right relationship with God. And he's trying to get them to the place where they see that that's the issue. It's a course correction. So let's unpack some terms here, right? So we talked a little bit about the idea of an oath. When you hear the word oath, just think a promise. Okay. For me, the language of that gets really kind of murky, but just think promise. But I have a question for you. If it's just a promise... Why would the people of the time feel the need to put God's name on it? Why would they say, I swear to God, that? Why would they feel the need to say that? What they're doing is they're operating with a deficit in their language. They're operating with a deficit in their communication in the the world. People don't believe them. Why don't people believe other people? Because they failed. Because they've said they were gonna do something and they didn't do it. So now what people do is they ramp it up. Okay, well you, no, 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 I swear. I, I promise, They get your kids right now. <laughs> I promise my room is clean. I promise by my Xbox my room is clean, right? You hear it, right? So they're ramping it up and they're putting God's name on it. The idea of using God's name brings about the idea that you're inviting the vengeance of the creator of the universe if you're wrong. You're also inviting the loss of blessing by the creator of the universe if you're wrong. So can you see why that would be a quote-unquote useful tool if you're trying to get people to believe you? No, 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 I'm swearing by God here, right? Do you see it? That's what they were doing. Now, this idea came from the law, if you unpack it in Leviticus chapter 19. So this is Leviticus 19.12. It reads, you shall not swear by, name, by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord, your God. So he says to them, you'll not swear by my name falsely. If you do that, you profane my name, right? You bring my name out of where it is and you make it not Holy, not godly. This is the part of the passage that just really like blew open for me. So if I'm I try to put myself in the place of the people that we're studying, because that for myself personally helps, and hopefully that'll help you. If you're here and you're dealing with this issue of I don't people don't want to believe me, okay? And I want to be a good quote unquote religious person, and the law says to not swear by God. You know what I'm going to do? Verse 34. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So I got a roundabout here, guys. I'm not going to swear by God. I'm going to swear by the temple. I'm not going to swear by God. I'm gonna swear by Jerusalem. I swear by Jerusalem that I'm telling you the truth. I swear by heaven that I'm telling you the truth. What they're doing is they're using God-adjacent things. The whole idea is to not profane God's name. And they're going, okay, I won't say God's name, but I'll say the things that are important to God. Therefore, I get the value of God in my sentence I get the people to believe me because God's involved, but I didn't say God. Do you see it? And do you see the heart issue? They're missing it completely. So they're swearing by all these other things and bringing God into it when God wasn't a part of this at all. And I just just want to say that God, the creator, he's sovereign. Um, We're made to be in a relationship with him through the sacrificial blood of Jesus, he's not an air freshener to be used to cover up an odor. And that's how he was being used. Now, we wouldn't see that at all in today's society, right? Turn on your Facebook feed. We see it on both sides. We see all these God-adjacent things being attached to level up whatever it is we're trying to, to put forward, right? God actually throws out the trash. He gets rid of the odor. He doesn't cover it up. So just want to... There we go. We're a little off on that. That's what he is. He's not some air freshener. So now Jesus continues because he knows how people work. And this isn't just them. Like, we do the same things. But verse 36 reads, And do not take an oath by your own head for you cannot make one hair white or black. So picture yourself as them again. So what I did before was I didn't talk about God at all. I just did God adjacent stuff. Okay, so I'm wrong about that. Jesus got it. I won't swear by the temple. I won't swear by the heaven. I won't swear by the earth. I won't swear by any of this stuff. I'll swear by me because I'm in control of me. It's my life, not yours, I swear by my own head. And how does Jesus respond? You can't even make one of your hairs black or gray. Now, I know where everybody's head went. My head went there too. Y'all thought about the just for men box or whatever it is, I get it, right? But the point of it, it actually the way our brains work is the same problem they had. The problem that they were doing is they were saying that they were the author of life. You can't offer something that isn't yours, your life is not your own. You didn't create it. He did. So if, you, if he created it, how could you pledge it? You can't. You can't do that. But they were, and they tried to. They're missing the entire point. And then remember how he started in verse 35. Don't make an oath at all right? He said in the beginning, he didn't, Jesus, he didn't hide the words. He said, don't make an oath. But all the the while knowing that I'm telling you not to make an oath, here are all the things that you're going to want to do. All of these are wrong too. (laughs) Just don't make an oath. Now, when I hear this, I teach kids, this is where my head goes, okay? Um, For those of you that have been around people for any amount of time, you've seen this. It's the don't hit your sister and I'm not touching you I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. You see it, right? Like, that's what, the, <laughs> that's what they're doing. It's like, okay, cool. Didn't say God's name. Didn't do that. Didn't do God-adjacent stuff. Now making it about me, not God-related at all. But you know what? Didn't, didn't say God. Didn't say God. Didn't say God. Walking right up to the line, guys. Walking right up to the line. You know what happens when you're, like, riding on the line? You're not standing straight. <laughs> you're wobbly as all get out. And that's where they were living. That's how we live a lot of times. Think about the lines that God has placed in our lives where he said, hey, here's how you are to use your body. Here's how you are to interact with your neighbor. And we go, well, I know what the word says. I'm not stepping over it, but I'm right there. I'm kind of living here, but all the while I'm living here, I look like a buffoon because I'm wobbly as all get out. It doesn't make sense. And that's what was happening. That's how our heart works. We can rationalize anything. We can take anything that looks like we didn't have exactly the right language in that contract and make it work for ourselves and miss the whole point of the law. And that's what was happening. We white-knuckle life, thinking that the sanctification process, thinking that that's the sanctification process from Scripture. But really, that's just another form of our own immaturity. So how often throughout this past week did your walk with Jesus look like this? Hands on the steering wheel, just like this, holding on for dear life, not doing the wrong thing, just not doing the wrong thing, just not doing the wrong thing. Hey, uh, hey! Uh, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't look porn. I didn't look porn. I didn't look born. Or, or, or hey, I didn't gossip about that person. I didn't talk about that person behind their back. Meanwhile, like in your heart, full of anger, full of hatred. Meanwhile, in your heart, full of lust, full of desire, and you're white knuckling it. That's not the sanctification process that Jesus is walking us through. The victory over sin and death is the Lord's, not ours. And too often, we want to take control over it. That's what white knuckling looks like. We're supposed to, through prayer, study, and fellowship with other believers, allow him to reshape our hearts. But far too often, we want to be the king and queen of that. And while we want to be the king and queen of that, we look like we're crazy stepping on the line. So coming to the end, Jesus says in verse 37, Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Jesus has a way of just being very clear and very direct. And he just makes this point. Don't swear at all. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Be honest. Be trustworthy people. When you say you're going to do something, do it. Don't allow circumstances to hold you back from your word. Now, I think we all can like logically go, yeah, that makes sense. But how often do we fail at it? How often do we allow circumstances to dictate our reality and we don't submit ourselves to Christ and allow him through prayer, through interaction with fellow believers, through that time spent with him to continue the work of reshaping our hearts? If you're a Christ follower, it means that you've accepted the gift he's offered for salvation by his gospel message of a right relationship with God through his sacrifice for our sin on the cross. We are to walk like Jesus walked. That means act like Jesus acted. But most importantly, we're supposed to be empowered by a heart that's being reshaped by him and the Holy Spirit. And if we're doing that, we understand that the whole point of this was the heart. The action is the byproduct of that. So now let's get to some real world application here. Why is trustworthiness so important? Why is honesty so important? Let's look at the world that we live in right now, okay? And it can be really easy to just take a bunch of cheap shots here. We're not gonna do that. But if we look at the world that we live in, it's a fallen world that's busted and there's a lot of bad stuff that's happening but that's been true forever the difference now is it's right in front of our faces the idea that we can't even agree on what truth is anymore we we both sides can't agree what's correct and what's not correct the whole idea of my truth your truth his truth her truth as opposed to the truth we're in, a, we're in a, it's it's a weird time but I see that and I get really excited because if the church is doing what Christ has called us to do to really love widows and orphans, to really care for one another, to really pour into each other's lives, to do what we say we were supposed to be doing to actually let our yes be yes and our no be no, the world's never been more busted. The world, everything they say They don't do on both sides. It's all over the place. The the ground is laid. Christ has set this up. We're talking about the, the harvest, guys. The harvest is there for us if we follow Christ and submit ourselves to him. But if we don't, it's so easy to look like the fallen world. And if we look like the fallen world, we're doing the opposite of what Christ has called us to. Our big idea is that Christ's followers should do what we say we're going to do. It's really simple. It's a really simple idea. If we say we're going to do something, we should do it. And the thing that we should be saying we're going to do is follow Christ, live by what he's called us to, to interact with our neighbors, to love them, to care for them, love one another, pray for one another. And if we do that, he promises that he will use us in this redemption of life. He will equip us for this ministry work. But we got some hard questions that we got to ask. In what way are we missing the mark this past week? Think about the past week. What are the things where we, we just blew it. It happens, right? And then how do you deal with those things? Are you sharing those things with someone else? Are you interacting with someone else to say, hey, I really need some kind of prayer with this? I need some accountability with this because this just keeps going off the rails, right? Are you interacting with someone? Are, you, are we doing that, right? What line are we walking right up to currently? What are we doing? What's that look like? How much white knuckling have we been doing? <laughs> It's not worth it. It's just not. And what have we said we're going to do, but we haven't? Are we following Christ's direction? Is our word trustworthy and honest? Are we emulating Jesus? In this sanctification process, this process of being reshaped by the God of the universe, are we being changed to be more like him and submitting ourselves before that? Or are we sitting there with our hands on the wheel, up on the line, eyes farther from him than we could ever imagine? It's time we submit ourselves to him and to interact with one another about it. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. And thank God... That Jesus' is yes was a yes. Because he promised not only to bring about salvation, but he promised another thing. He's going to return. And if we can trust his yes is yes, that's happening. Are we going to be ready? Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for the way that your son Jesus came down and walked with us and interacted with us and showed us the purpose of the law. Lord, do the heart work. Draw us close. Thank you that your yes is yes and your no is no. Help us to follow that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.